This is Take a Second, a weekly Come Follow Me podcast that focuses on finding the Savior in the Old Testament, and then how we might teach it in family or ward settings. I'm Brian Ricks, and Stuart Black is joining me to make sure that we stay on the rails. We are recording the podcast from the Student Lounge at the Pocatello Institute, so thanks for joining us for our lunchtime discussion of this week's Come Follow Me Scripture Block. The Lord is, mark all that apply, A, jealous, B, furious, C, vengeful, D, slow to anger, E, great in power, F, good, G, strong, H, knowledgeable. All you have to do is say the letters. Um, D, E, F, G, and H. Thank you. E, F, G, H, and somewhat D? Okay. Somewhat D. <laughs> Um, D, E, F, G, and H. Okay. Thank you. Ready to start. Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Those are the three. I was, I was trying to teach my kids the, the names, right? So I kept going around. I said, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. And then I'd like stop. And they're like, no. Uh, Nabuchodonosor. <laughs> and granted, they're little, but it was Nabuchodonosor. Like, Nabuchodonosor. And I said, you know what? That probably pretty well sums up how most people... How much they know about these three books? Yeah, you know, in, in terms of the minor prophets, we're now starting to shrink to the uh, ones that aren't studied nearly as much. Yep. And I and part of that you think about with uh, it seems like now one in the book size, but also just what we know about them. Yeah. You know, with Amos, you, you don't you don't know nearly as much about Amos as you do Isaiah or yeah. Jeremiah, but you still know more about Amos than you do Nahum um, or Habakkuk. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and some of that has to do with not just them personally, but their message. You know, sometimes with uh, Nahum, it's a little difficult. Like, who's he talking to? Yeah. We know he's speaking. We know he's prophesying to Nineveh about 100, 150 years after Jonah. So Jonah goes and and it works. Up the city, yeah. And the city works. Nahum sends this up, and they're like, nah, not interested. And so, but. Often throughout his message, it's difficult to know if he's talking to. It's it feels like he bounces back and forth. Uh, sometimes I'm talking to Judah, sometimes I'm talking to Nineveh, and and so some of those questions. And I, and I think because of that, because of the ambiguity, we don't. And I don't know, just we as just the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints or members of that church. I think just Christianity in general yeah. kind of has to have a tendency to speed through these last few prophets yeah. yeah and maybe part of it is i don't know it's like when you're on a horse ride and that horse turns back towards the barn you can smell the stable <laughs> yeah i think maybe we're starting to smell matthew one and we're, we're like oh let's get to who's excited for the new testament right. next year <laughs> so we're only eight pages away <laughs> maybe that's what it is too we, yeah. we read a little faster when yeah. we're getting close to the end of something so yeah um i uh at the at the beginning of uh, of Today, one of the ideas that that we had or that that we came up with was this: that uh, as you're teaching this, just ask the Lord's what. So, and you could write up on a board or something like that. The Lord is dot dot dot, and you could have them fill in the blank. Like, what word comes to mind? Um, what we did, and I think I think Brother Rick's is probably going to pop it up there. But this is what we just wandered around and asked everybody: the Lord is. Mark all that apply. A jealous. B furious. C vengeful. D slow to anger. E great in power. F good. G strong. H knowledgeable, and uh, I'm pretty sure everybody said D to H. Yeah, everybody that we asked. Evidence once again that 
we really don't know Nahum very well. Because <laughs> right. at the very beginning of Nahum, this is what he says, and, and this is uh, this is something that we wanted to talk about for for a couple of minutes because this is, um, I don't know, a, a unique way for Nahum to start. Yeah, and I. <clears throat> I really liked this. I got excited about this because it was something in Nahum that I'd never seen before. I've taught it several times. You know, every four years in the yeah. seminary, you go through the Old Testament. And, but when you're when you're doing it in the not this year because of the way with the Come Follow Me program, but when I was teaching in seminary, we're doing this at the end of May, and the mm-hmm. kids are like checked out and Darn. so yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know that I've ever paid as close attention, me personally, to Nahum as as I have this time through. Uh, but Nahum starts by describing the Lord. And he, first he says, the burden of Nineveh, uh, I, I picture that being, I picture Nahum saying, this burden is on me. This is, it's not the burden that's on Nineveh. It's that Nineveh is a burden on me because I've got to come and prophesy to you, just like it was for Jonah. Uh, and then he says, let me tell you about God. Let me tell you who God is. Verse 2, God is jealous. And the Lord A, revengeth, B, <laughs> uh, and is furious. Uh, the Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. And you think, well, that's a pretty harsh God. It's A, B, and C. That is, that's, that's, I don't like that God. And then verse three, and then Nahum says, but, and, he is slow to anger. But you just said he's furious. Yes, but it takes him a long time to get that way, apparently. Uh, and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the sea, maketh it dry, and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth, and Carmel, uh, or Carmel, and the flower of Lebanon languish. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence, yea, the world, and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? And there's this... This description of the Lord as being almost bipolar. He's angry, but he's slow to anger. He's um, he's great in power. He's vengeful. This seems so not what we're used to hearing about Jesus and what we're going to focus on with the, the Christ-like attributes that we're going to see in, in the mortal Messiah. It's hard to balance mm-hmm. those two things. Yeah. yeah. And I think the thing that got me the most excited is I just early on in Nahum, and, and it comes to play out later on with his message, but the fact is, and I'm, try, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this because it's kind of a new idea for me, but that in, it would actually be impossible for God to be just and not be merciful. In other words, and again, I, this is kind of a new thought for me, but I'm. in order for God to be perfect, he has to have both sides of this coin. With all of these attributes, he has to have a little bit. If I'm a victim, and, and we've been promised that those who endure trials and adversities, and especially those that are inflicted upon them by others, that there will be justice. And so for a victim, we hear these things and we're like, yeah, right on. I want. I want this kind of a God. I want a God that gets mad. I want a God that that doesn't tolerate the injustices. Um, in fact, Habakkuk is going to is going to be looking for this kind of God at the beginning yeah. of the next chapter yep. or the beginning of the next book. And, and we'll get there and point out those verses. But really, those who have been taken advantage of, those who have been uh, who have been persecuted and, you know, the poor or the needy, the widows, 
throughout the history of Israel, God is constantly calling their attention back to the way that they're not taking care of those that need to be taken care of. And he said, and the Lord asked through his prophets, where is the judgment? Or in other words, where is the justice? And so in order for the Lord to be merciful to to those that have been taken advantage of, he has to be, there has to be a side to him that is just and that requires payment or punishment. And on the flip side of that, that and, and that is that is how he, the, the, both of those sides of his nature have to be present in order for him to be a perfect and divine being. And I, that's what got me excited this week is just this idea that it's a new, a new twist on this discussion in the Old Testament of, wow, you've got such a strict, harsh Jehovah, but such a merciful, gentle, loving Jesus. And you're, and it, Nahum has helped me see that in order to have one, you have to have the other. Yeah. I, there's there's a whole bunch of different ways to look at this and and one of the ones just kind of building on your thought here is i i I would ask and this is the reason i would ask this if i was teaching this is because this is where my mind went when if god is this all of these things jealous furious vengeful slow to anger great in power good strong knowledgeable i would ask when have you seen the lord Mm -hmm. do this when have you, and these other ones, knowledgeable, strong, good, great in power, slow to anger, those ones I think are a little bit easier for people to come up with. But then you also ask, can you think of what would God be jealous about? Yes, I think that's super what, important. What would the Lord be furious about? And and one of the things, and my Hebrew is, is not that great, but I can at least look up words. Um, when it says God is jealous, this Hebrew word is it's spelled Q-A-N-A, Kana, and it means zealous. That's one of the like probably – in our words or in our language, a better interpretation of it. God is zealous. And you're like, oh, well, yeah, that makes way more sense. Yeah. Of course, God's very passionate and like driven. Mm-hmm. And and um, I stumbled across that. I was writing a big paper one time about Elijah, and, and Elijah says, I've been jealous, jealous for the Lord. And I'm like, why? What does why that are you mean? Jealous? And then digging into it, I was like, oh, he's zealous. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense that Elijah's saying, I've been zealous for you. And the same thing here, that the Lord is zealous for us. So what is what are things that God gets zealous about or what are things that like uh you read verse two already but it says the lord revengeth and is furious the lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath for his enemies maybe an easier way to answer the question is who are his adversaries who are his enemies paul says in first corinthians fifteen twenty six, he says the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. death so is does god take vengeance on death yes is he furious with death Yes. Does he beat it? Is he vengeful? Does he go after? And you're like, yeah. Sometimes we look, we fill in the blanks a little bit like, oh, God's jealous of people and he's vengeful for people and he's furious for people. But then we can interpret this a little bit differently and say, but he's also, is he furious against sin? Yeah. Sin and death, right? The two great, the, second the we find nine. Yeah. Those are his the two monsters. great enemies. Yep. That's who he's attacking. That's who he's going against. And so for me, as I was reading this in Nahum, I just shifted that a little bit that I already learned what the Lord did for Nineveh back in Jonah, mm-hmm. and he gave them a bunch of chances. But what was he going against? He was going against their sins, and he was going against them making bad choices. That's what he's vengeful about. That's what he's so zealous in overcoming with calling all of these prophets and saying, I'm going after them that way. And it, for me, that was a kind of a, a shift in looking at these verses that way. And, I, and as you get to chapter 2, um, when – when Nahum says, there, there's a couple of verses in here where, let me see if I can get there real quick, where it becomes, it's like, who is he talking to? Um, 
is he talking to, so for example, it, verse, just starting at the beginning of the chapter, he that dasheth in pieces is come up before thy faith, uh, before thy face, keep the munition, watch the way, make thy loins strong, fortify thy power mightily. Now we've already said he's speaking to Nineveh. Well, in this part, is he talking about, is he talking to Nineveh or is he talking to, is it possibly he's talking also now to Judah and he's switching back and forth or could you take this and say that he's now talking to Babylon? You know, if if Babylon were to come across this, could it be that he's talking to them? And you see the 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 possibility for multiple application yeah. for whoever this is. Uh, and Habakkuk is going to ask later on. He's in his book. He's going to say, you know, at first, when are you going to bring justice? Look at look at all the sin here in Israel. When is there going to be justice? Why do we have to live among all this sin? And then the Lord says, okay, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring Babylon. And he's like, whoa, 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 I don't want you to bring Babylon. I don't want that justice. Like, like, and then Habakkuk finds himself in this ethical dilemma. Like, how are you going to use a more wicked nation to to call to repent a, a less wicked nation? And all of a sudden, the sins of Judah seem very they, – they pale in comparison to what Babylon's doing. And and the Lord's like, nah, that's not your that's not your concern. For Nahum, as we look through here and, we, and you wrestle with who's he talking to, is he talking to Nineveh, is he talking to Judah, is he talking to Babylon, the reality is, is he's talking to all of them. Because the idea with Nahum, at least for me, as I took this along, is that there's this call to repentance to Nineveh. Why? Even, so you repented 150 years ago, and now, here you, and now the Lord has used you as a tool. Isaiah makes it very clear that Assyria is a tool yeah. in the hands of the Lord. To bring about the repentance of, you know, uh, to, a, to bring about his, his purposes, yeah. right? To scatter the ten tribes, to get them scattered. That has to happen before we have the big gathering. And then also to, to call them to repentance and to remind them. And it works in, in the southern kingdom. With, when Assyria comes and destroys the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom repents under Hezekiah and Isaiah. And, and it works there. And so, but then what happens with, and Isaiah touches on this, what happens within Assyria? They start to get boastful and proud, and the axe raises itself against him that heweth it, right? Mm -hmm. And the Lord's like, whoa, 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 stop. It's still me. I'm the one doing this. And there's a call to repentance. Nineveh is going to be destroyed. And what's interesting is the Lord used them to destroy Israel, but then they took it too far. And then, and they start getting into behaviors that the Lord can't tolerate. Racism, prejudice, um, taking advantage of the of the weak. Yes, the Lord wanted them to scatter it, but they started to, to in the pride of their own hearts, they started to see themselves as the victors. Yeah. And then the Lord says, "I can't tolerate this anymore. Now I'm going to get. Now I'm going to bring Babylon." And so then Babylon comes in, and, and at first Babylon's this smaller country that's you know looking for allies, and and eventually it grows big enough that it can destroy the Assyrian armies. And it's now the big person. And then what does it start doing? Then they start taking advantage of and 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 oppressing Israel, God's covenant people, in a way that eventually the Lord can't tolerate that anymore. So now I'm going to bring around, I'm going to bring Persia or Media, uh, the Medes, the Medes, the Medes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring the Medes and then the Persians and then and it's just this con- and then the Ro- and then the Greeks and then the Romans and and it's this it's this this model of the Lord saying, I'm going to use you as an instrument, but understand you're just an instrument. And when men and when men take it too far and start to oppress unnecessarily, there there's there's this point where the Lord then becomes furious, and he becomes. I, and I I actually really even like just our English translation of jealous. I like the idea that the Lord is jealous of me, mm-hmm. and and not just me, but he's also all of his children. 
the other the other major message that you get from Nahum is this idea of the fact that, and you got it from Jonah last week, God is not a God of Israel. I, I know we call him the God of Israel, but that is, that is, has to do with this particular part of his covenant and his plan. But God is the God of all people. And he is, he is working works with all of them. Um, he's not limited his vision to just this covenant Israel. Yeah. And, and that idea of, of the Lord being inclusive with all of those, I, I love that. And, and we already quoted him a couple of times or talked about him, but we may as well look at him now. <laughs> Habakkuk 1 um, and, and some of these questions. And I, I, love, I love that Habakkuk asks these hard questions mm-hmm. about God and his son. And, and, and I also love that the answer is often fairly simple but sometimes unsatisfactory to yeah. some like, people. And, and the, the answers that the Lord gives here, it, it's not like you've missed a hidden verse in Habakkuk that you're like, this is why bad things happen to good people. You're like, oh, there it was. I knew <laughs> it all why. along. Ah. You're like, no, there's a lot of like small pieces that Habakkuk gives, but it still is going to be a wrestle. And one of the cool things, and, and you probably know this, Habakkuk means he that embraces or a wrestler. Uh-huh. And first of all, I love the connection between those two things. Because you're like, if you've wrestled somebody, you're like, yeah, there's like, you get locked up and stuff. There's some type of an embrace there, but you're also like, it's also an embrace. I think of like a hug. Yep. And so if Habakkuk is this one that embraces or a wrestler, he's wrestling with these questions, but he's also turning to the Lord in those questions, which is what's going to help him get the answers. So some of his questions or his statements are these. This is in, in one uh, verse two. He says, Oh Lord. How long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. The other one I liked is in in 13. He says, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? If I were, again, teaching these, I'd, I'd slow down and say, put these into modern-day words. Yep. And we mentioned, one, why do bad things happen to good people? But verse 2, how come I prayed and God didn't hear me? Or why didn't he answer me when I wanted him to answer? How come bad things or worse things are happening to good people than they are to bad people. And I, I remember having this thought as a little kid. I, my favorite sport when I was little was baseball and I, I would pitch. And, uh, um, when I would pitch, I'd be going against my friends and, and in the league that I played in, I was the only member of the church in Montana. And so all my friends, they all cursed, used bad language all the time at school and all this stuff. And I'd be pitching. And when I first started pitching, um, I struck out a bunch of people, and I think looking back, it's because I threw through so slow that they're just like, <laughs> just swing and miss. But who knows? <laughs> they got three strikes on one pitch. That's right. Uh, it also could be I'm left-handed. I, I don't know. But uh, anyways, the, like people started to pick up on it, and and we got everybody starts getting better at baseball and better at hitting and stuff like that. And I remember standing on the mound, and it's a lonely place. Uh, Nobody else helped you. Is. You're all by yourself, and you're holding the ball. It's like shooting free throws in basketball, like. No one can help you. You are all by yourself. And I remember thinking like, okay, Heavenly Father, I know my friend up here, he uses bad words. I should strike him out. If, if I'm really a good disciple, you'll let me strike him out. And, you know, it's a bomb off it's, or whatever. It's in, out of the park. Yep. Like, I, I remember like getting the ball like back after he gets on base or whatever. And I'm thinking like, God, let me down. Mm-hmm. Why don't I swear then? Why don't I like 
say bad jokes and listen in on all these other like friends of mine as they're doing bad things if I'm not getting the reward that I wanted. Now, there's a whole bunch of lessons I've learned about this throughout my life, but, but one of them is I don't get to choose the blessing I get from God. I, my, the blessing I wanted, I wanted to be better at baseball because I had better language. That was the, like the one blessing I wanted. Instead, God's like, how about the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Who cares about a, a seventh grader being good? At, <laughs> seventh grader being good at baseball, like <laughs> let it go, man. And and I I love that when when Habakkuk's getting into some of these answers, these are a couple of things that he says. In in two verse one, he says, "I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower, and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved." I I don't know if this is exactly what he's meaning by it. At least at the end, he's anticipating the Lord's going to get after him a little bit. Based on these questions, he says, I, I anticipate the Lord's not going to be happy that I'm grumbling this much about these other things. But I love that even though he anticipates that, he still is in the right place. I will be on my watch. He's a, he's a watchtower guy. He's a prophet. Mm-hmm. So he says, I know where I need to be. I need to be patient in the right spot. And then in three, he says, the vision is, is yet for an appointed time. Be patient. You're not going to see the vision. You're not going to understand what's happening yet with your questions. But at the end, it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And then the end of verse 4, the just shall live by his faith. And he says, the answer is pretty simple and easy. And yeah, I guess this is the hidden verse in Habakkuk we've all looked over, that the Lord says, be patient. I promise in the end you're going to see it. And that, that can be a little bit of a wrestle that we have to go with, go to God about when we're like, I'm struggling with these things. I'm being heartbroken over these questions I have in my life. And yet God says, I promise it'll come. Don't give up. Be in the right place and be patient. And I promise your answer will come. Mm-hmm. And that can be unsatisfactory. For me, it gives me hope that the Lord's saying like, I'll, I'll take care of you. Because in 14, he says, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He says, the answer will come. It'll be like the ocean. You will get it. It'll fill your life, your mind. It'll be 74% of your body, whatever it is. He says, you will be filled with my knowledge. Be patient and wait in the right spot. And I promise it's coming your way. Yeah. I like when he, after he asked the first question, you know, why do I'm here in the Southern kingdom. Uh, the, this is again Habakkuk is one of those people that we're not really sure when he when he was prophesying. Uh, if you look to the scholars and ask them, there's kind of two different camps, and the one that has the most, I guess, the the most people speaking for it, the loudest camp, it says that he was probably prophesying just after the death of Josiah. So, which means he was probably old enough to see Josiah's father embrace all kinds of wickedness. And all kinds of atrocities and worshiping Baal and other and, and sacrificing, uh, making sacrifice to these false idols. Then Josiah comes and here's this breath of fresh air. Josiah comes and he reads the scriptures and he, he as the king, he renews his covenant with God. But also as the king, he has the right in doing that. He's renewing the covenant of the people with with Jehovah. And he does that at the temple. And it's then you've got this period of time, this 20, 25 year period of time where Josiah has the people in righteousness again. And then as soon as he dies, his boys are right back to doing what grandpa was doing. And it must have been so discouraging for Habakkuk. And now as he looks around and they've introduced the, the idol worship again and they're, they're doing all of these things, 
And and Habakkuk's looking around going, why do I have to see this? Why do I have to, to be in this situation? And it reminded me we had, I was out on my porch when we lived in, in uh, Utah. It was a summer day. It was nice weather. And I don't even remember what I was doing, but I was out there. And my neighbor came up just so distraught. I said, what's the matter? And, and she went on to explain to me, she had just heard something about a, a decision that was made um, in another state with regards to one topic or another and whatever it was like she was beside herself like why do we have to live in this situation with these kinds of things going on this these are the last days we saved the very best for last and she's quoting all these things forgetting the fact that why god had to save the best for the last right and uh and and pretty pretty frustrated with the kind of world that was starting to unfold and that was five years ago and and it just seems to have unfolded and unraveled even more um, and, and the Lord says, well, let me, these are my plans. And to Habakkuk, he says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to use Babylon and Babylon's going to come in. Don't worry. I'm going to fix Jerusalem's iniquity. And then Habakkuk's like, wait a minute, but that's not what I want you to do. Like, that, that's not, that wasn't what I was looking for. And I, I think sometimes you mentioned the fact that sometimes we ask questions and the answers we get are unsatisfactory. And so we assume there must be something else. I think about, um, when it comes, President Oaks has made the statement that God doesn't often give the reasons for his his policies. Uh, every once in a while with polygamy, we get a, a sense of why. Uh, there's a few uh, prophetic and um, scriptural explanations for that. I, it seems to me that anytime anyone, when, you, when, it t- when it comes to African-Americans and the priesthood ban, anytime someone has tried to give an explanation for that, they find themselves in hot water pretty quick. Yeah. That's one of those that the Lord just simply hasn't answered. Mm-hmm. But the, the message to Habakkuk is, just trust me. And, and uh, the Lord says, you know, he, he points out, uh, verse 15, they take up all of them with the angle. They catch them in the net and gather them with their drag. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Therefore, they sacrifice unto their net and burn incense to their drag because by them their portion is fat and their meat is plenteous. And it seems like when we don't get the answers from God that we want, when, when, when God isn't meeting what we anticipate as our needs, we take a look and we find those things that are and those things become our God's. And so I, I, I worry in a, in, a, in, a world with, in a world with social media that can give you any answer you want. You, you, the, the word of the Lord is hard to the wicked, right? The, the, the wicked taketh it to be hard. And, and so therefore, there are those in the world that would say, then stop speaking those things to the wicked. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have to be uncomfortable. <laughs> don't make them uncomfortable. You, you don't have the right to make them uncomfortable. And so for those that take it, to be hard, they can go to social media or they can go to the philosophies of men and they can find answers that they're comfortable with. And then those, whatever gives them that answer, that in a sense becomes their God. And he's saying in, in this day, what was providing for them, providing their meat and their sustenance and their day to day, it was, it was their angle or their fishing tackle. It was their nets. And therefore let's, let's worship the nets in our day. As we're asking these questions, difficult questions, it's not un, it's it's not unlikely to say that our social media is our, our social media outlets 
and those voices that are saying the soft and sweet things, Samuel the Lamanite says to the Nephites, if I were to come and tell you all the things you want to hear, yeah. you would say I was a prophet. You'd, you'd give money me money. You'd, yeah. yeah. But because I come and give you the message of the Lord, yeah. you call me a false prophet and you throw sticks and stones and try to break my bones. Yeah. Right? Like you, you try to physically assault me. Yeah. And, and I think as Latter-day Saints in this dispensation, one of the warnings from Habakkuk, and, and I think why Habakkuk kind of recognizes it later on in himself um, our, our role is to trust God and we won't always understand why God does what he does. Um, I love King Benjamin's sermon in, in Mosiah, uh, four, when he says, believe that God is. And then at the end of that verse, he says, and believe that man doesn't understand everything that God understands. Like yeah. that needs to be a number one principle of coming to know who God is and what God is. But it seems like in our day and age, if there's something that God does that I don't understand, then I get to doubt God. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I frankly don't want a God I understand. Yeah. And as you mentioned that, I, I think that's, that's a key, key part to understanding and trusting that things are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. In, in those moments when we're like, I'm not okay with the way things are. And God's like, that's okay. Neither am I. Mm-hmm. That's why all these terrible things are going to happen before the second coming. Things will change. At the, the very end of Habakkuk, 18 and 19, he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Just because he has questions does not mean that he has to doubt God. And I, I think that is something that needs to be reinforced, needs to be reminded for every single one of us. That when we have questions about what's happening or not happening in our lives, that's okay. Wrestle with them. Yep. Be Habakkuk. Be the wrestler. And yet, you still don't have to doubt God. Because he says, I still, no matter what I'm questioning, God is there. And then he says, the Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds. Hinds are deer mm-hmm. or like mountain goats. And he will make them like mountain goat feet, and he will make me to walk upon high places. And you can have this beautiful visualization. If you've ever seen mountain goats or mountain rams, oh, bighorn sheep climbing up, some of those things that you have this idea that God says, that's where you walk. It looks like it is impossible to walk that. It is a sheer cliff, and somehow God gives you the feet to handle the hard things in life. And I love that, that if I don't quit on God, I I don't slip down this slope, even though it looks like, I don't know how you get feet on that Mm -hmm. thing. And I love that visualization here. uh, Just one thought for me for Zephaniah is is this, that um, as we have these questions, the very end of Zephaniah in in chapter 3, verse 8, he says, therefore, wait ye upon me, saith the Lord. Hope for or anticipate when he's saying that wait. And then in, in uh, the end of it, 17 to 20, uh, I went through and I just circled in my scriptures every time it says the Lord or the word will, all the things the Lord will do. Will do. That some of these things he is doing now, but there's other things that we have to wait for. That's the will part of it. And it says the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He currently is doing that. That's not a will one. And then these other ones, he will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. He gathers them. That He, he says that I'll take care of those that afflict thee. I'll save her that halteth. I'll gather her that was driven out. I will get them praise and fame in every island. I'll bring you again. God says, I, I have not forgotten about you. I know that right now you you wonder with all these questions and worries of what's happening in your life. He says, don't worry. I will take care of you. Hope for me and wait for me and I have your back. 
And I, I love that message, kind of a, a string for me that connects these three books all together is that. Yeah, this and this idea that, that ultimately the Lord is in charge, whether it's with the Assyrians, the, Babylon, the Babylonians, the Persians. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, God is in charge, and those who wait on the Lord are going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, we've got two more weeks. Um, That's right. And then, uh, and then a Christmas lesson, and then it's the New Testament. Thanks for joining us. We're uh, grateful for the opportunity to go through these these verses with you, and hope that they're uh, they're helpful in your own preparation for either your home study or your your ward assignments. See you next week. Well, thanks again for joining us on Take a Second for Come Follow Me. Brother Black and myself want to emphasize that in this episode or any other episode, there's nothing that we've said that is meant to or can in any way be interpreted as the official doctrine or policy or practice of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Brother Black and myself simply represent two guys that enjoy talking about Scripture and and in our own life experiences as it relates to the Gospel of Jesus Christ and, and hope that in sharing some of our thoughts and, and insights, but certainly our personal opinions and nothing more, that uh, maybe it might open up the scriptures a little bit to you. So thanks again for joining us on Take a Second, and we will see you in our next episode.